Good afternoon, everybody. Everybody. So uh, today we have uh, Dr. Yubao Wang visiting us from, from Dana Farber. Um, he obtained his PhD from Albert Einstein, uh, working on aspects of PA3 kinase and mTOR signaling. He moved on to uh, Dana Farber in 2010 to do a postdoc with uh, Gene Zhao. Uh, and he's now an instructor there. Uh, he's been working on, I think, a, a kinome screen originally, which led to um, some very interesting novel targets in the transcriptional field, which I'm sure he's going to be telling us about uh, today. Uh, I do have to do the usual um, announcements of he does not have any financial interests, does not intend to discuss off-label or investigational use of a product or device, is not receiving any direct payments from a commercial entity with respect to this activity. And for those who are here who may be wanting CME credit for this exercise, uh, the activity code is displayed outside the room after the presentation. So I guess you can't leave early. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> So, um, Duang, thank you for coming. Thank you. Can it, can anyone help me or it's, it's working? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, thanks, uh, Alan, for the uh, nice intro, and it's my uh, real pleasure and a true honor to have this chance to share with you our work on targeting cancer. So, I have no uh, conflict of interest to disclose. <laughs> And I will share with you um, three stories that chronologically follow my perfect training at uh, Denim Fiber. So targeting three protein kinases, MELK, uh, two transcriptional CDK, CDK7, and, uh, and CDK12. When I first joined the lab, we had a sort of an ambitious plan, which is uh, chasing new oncogenes. And we did that via a, a genetic screen. And we think we have a pretty unique model system for the screen. So the model was based on some seminal uh, findings demonstrated that uh, to fully transform human primary human cells, you require at least several um, genes or ge genetic elements. And you probably noticed that among the list, there are uh, viral antigens, that's what I call um, genetic elements. And we further optimize this model by using all four non-viral genes. So here, for example, in the primary human memory epithelial <coughs> cells, if we introduce these four uh, transgenes, and the cells can give rise to tumor uh, in a, with a latency about two, two, uh, two months. And if we, uh, when transplanted into the mammary fat pad of nude mice, and you can, and you know, know that the four transgenes, their expressional activity is older in a human cancer, including breast cancer. So we think we have a pretty uh, nice model. We, want, we hope to use the model to make some uh, interesting finding in cancer biology. So the question we ask is whether we can find any new kinases that have similar uh, oncogenic potential as the, uh, the, the potent oncogene here. So to that end, we started with uh, HMAX cells have the three transgenes, so without uh, the mutant pictocea. Then we introduce a kinase library. The library was also developed in the lab. It's uh, called an activated kinase library because each uh, the reading frame is attacked on an N-terminal mercilation signal, allowing for the memory translocation and presumably activation of the kinase. 
So briefly, we introduced pool virus into the HMAX cells with these three transgenes, and we transplanted those cells into the memory fat at minimize. For any proof of virus that can uh, give rise to tumor formation, we isolate, we isolate uh, the genomic DNA from the tumor as well as from the corresponding cells before transplantation. We then use qPCR to determine the enrichment of the individual kinase in that specific pool. And theoretically, can, uh, you might imagine that any kinase that in, get enriched in the tumor are likely to be the candidates for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, to be oncogenic. And in total, we have uh, 16 such candidates, uh, such uh, genes enriched in the tumor, and some of them are already known to be uh, oncogenes or pro-oncogenes. That give us some confidence that the screening works. And one of the hit that really uh, got our interest, which is called MALC, standing for maternal and embryonic leucine zebra kinase. It got the name because uh, the kinase was originally cloned um, as one of the messenger um, enriched in the, um, the mouse embryos. It's, uh, it's inherited from, from the egg. And uh, the kinase have a leucine zebra kinase, and although we don't really know whether this matters because it's, it's often occurring in the transcription factors. So before, as, as I mentioned, the kinase we um, use in the screen is immersed and which is not obviously present in our cells. So first we want to validate whether the milk is really our oncogenes. So we use multiple uh, model systems, including HMAC, MCF10A, uh, red wind cells, to demonstrate that MAC overexpression uh, can promote anchorage independent cell growth, indicating that MAC overexpression is oncogenic. We further uh, use a red model where a single oncogenic uh, event is sufficient to drive uh, tumor formation. You can see that overexpression of Y-type, but not uh, the kinase inactive version of male can induce uh, obvious tumor growth. So we think that this data gives us the idea that milk, uh, the overexpression of Y-type male is, really, uh, is, uh, is oncogenic. And we think this is pretty cool, but the question is, does it matter? Does it have any re relevance to, to human disease like can cancer? And we think the, the, the answer is likely to be yes, because we found MAP is, is extraordinarily altered in the human cancer, including breast cancer. And, and the expression has a, a strong association with uh, this outcome. So here I show an example that for the TCG uh, cohort, MAP is dramatically overexpressed in the invasive ductal breast carcinoma in overall compared to the normal uh, mammary tissues. And you actually can calculate a p-value for such a differential expression. And, and if you do that, it's a p-value of the, this differential expression for milk is ranked 29th out of the total 20,000 genes uh, as on typical array. So we think milk has a top rank overexpression in breast cancer. And the expression has a, it has a very strong prognostic value. The high uh, grade, histologic grade of uh, the cancer, uh, the high milk uh, expression it has. And patients have higher expression of MAC indicated by the, uh, the curve, the red curve, have a much uh, shorter, this is metastasized or uh, over survival. And to give you sort of impression that uh, MAC is really an interesting one, uh, point out that there currently there are two multi-gene signatures for the purpose of a breast cancer prognosis, mostly in the ER breast cancer. A PAN50 is a 50-gene signature and the memoprene is 70-gene signature. There are only two genes that are shared by the two signatures, and MAC is one of them. So we think that MAC is really an interesting gene, uh, and we really want to figure out what it 
uh, what's the exact function in, in breast cancer. But before we set up experiments to test the function of milk, we need to know which subtype of breast cancer might require, might are addicted to milk. Because the reason is quite simple, because you know breast cancer, like many other cancers, is not a single uh, uh, disease entity. It has an enormous diversity, such as in the, in the um, histology of pathogenesis and prognosis. And the, the clinical um, classification of, uh, of breast cancer uh, to guide the, uh, the choice of treatment is based on three molecules, estrogen receptor, P ERPI, and HER2. And about 65% uh, of um, breast cancer patients are in a positive and 13% have a, uh, the genomification and overexpression of HER2. And these cancers have a, a multiple options of target therapies that oriented towards ER pathway or HER2 pathway, respectively. In comparison, the rest of tumor does not overexpress uh, ERPL or HER2 and are termed triple active, and there's very limited um, therapeutic options. And at this moment, there's no any single uh, target therapy or immune therapy has been proved effective for triple active breast cancer, so it's leaving chemotherapy as the only option for, for this group of patients. And unfortunately, this triple uh, active breast cancer very, uh, tends to be highly uh, aggressive. And patients with triple active breast cancer have much shorter survival time, either from initial diagnosis or the, the time of a metastasis diagnosis. So now we look at the expression of milk among the subtypes of breast cancer. You can see that triple uh, active breast cancer have the highest expression of milk. And this pattern is not only occurring in this specific cohort, and it occurs in essentially every large cohort of breast cancer. And if you do the MAC search on the Oncomine, um, here you can see that in multiple cohorts, MAC is overexpressed in the triple active breast cancer compared to other types of, or other type of breast cancer. And the number indicates the rank of the p-value for this differential expression. And you can see this rank is pretty high. We also do a meta-analysis uh, to dig out the genes that are overexpressed in triple active breast cancer versus non-triple active breast cancer, and, and also in a, in a breast cancer overall compared to normal tissues. And we got a, a few hundred genes overexpressed and unexpressed. Um, and if you look at the, the overexpressed, um, MAC is actually the number one genes. There's also some other mitotic kinase uh, genes on the um, overexpression arm. So we think MAC have a, quite an impressive overexpression in triple active breast cancer. And in addition to this array um, information that's based on the uh, detection messenger RNA, we were able to have um, collaborate with, clini with clinical scientists at Farber to have uh, several uh, primary tissue for Western to check at the protein level. And you can see the, the four independent samples of triple active breast cancer have abundant expression of milk, while the yeah, party breast cancer do not have uh, do not have detectable signal, and they do have an uh, expression of ER as uh, expected. So next, we, we want to know whether a MAC is functionally important for the uh, triple active breast cancer. So the major uh, technique we use is a tetracycline inducible knockdown. So here we introduce cells either scramble control or the uh, two independent SHRNA targeting as MAC. And here we first have the stable lines first, uh, then we treat the cells with, uh, for, with ducacycline for here is it's three days. And you can see that the MAC protein is uh, you can see the pretty obvious knockdown. And then we, we just do the very simple assay. We just grow the cells in multiple plate. We see the cells in multiple plate, and we uh, treat half the plate with doxycycline. And you can see uh, um, pretty, I hope you find obvious that uh, the knockdown induced by doxycycline treatment can have an obvious effect on the, the, the uh, on this particular uh, treatment active breast cancer cell growth. 
and we have very similar funding in six other triple negative breast cancer lines. We were also able to rescue the girls' defects by using SHRNA-resistant milk, so indicating that this is really an untargeted effect of SHRNA. And very recently, we were able to use a CRISPR-Cas9 media gene editing tool to, uh, to knock out milk protein expression, and we also see the impaired uh, cell growth. And in addition to the two uh, dimensional cell growth assay, we were able to see that uh, mac, uh, the MAC knockdown can also impair the anchorage independent cell growth, which is assay here in the soft agar. We then wonder whether uh, this, this uh, in vitro, as, uh, in vitro um, effect can be translated into anti-tumor uh, efficacy in vivo. So here we transplant the two TNBC lines into a memory fat pattern new mice and treat the mice uh, only fo right following the transplantation. And you can see the tumor genesis is uh, it's pretty, quite obviously um, uh, inhibitor. We also um, do the assay where we first let the tumor grow out to certain size, then we treat the tumor half the, uh, half, half, uh, half the mice with the suckling food. And you can see that in this case, the tumor grows is delayed, and uh, uh, some, in some cases, it's that the tumor is regressed. <laughs> So far, I showed that uh, milk is uh, overexpression milk is oncogenic, and milk is functionally important for the triple negative breast cancer cells. So that's uh, indicating that milk might be a good target for triple negative breast cancer. But uh, uh, one question that I feel can easily argue that uh, maybe milk is uh, it's not a good target. Maybe it's just like housekeeping gene is essential everywhere. So we also have a question that we want to know whether MAC is important for normal cells, whether it's important for other types of breast cancer cells. So we did similar knocking down uh, experiment in uh, uh, normal and also the ER party breast cancer cell lines. All those cells have relatively low expression of MAC, and we were able to achieve similar uh, efficiency of knockdown, but we, don't, we didn't see any uh, growth defects. So we, we have more... Uh, we have similar position in more ER-positive uh, cell lines, and also we were able to see that in vivo, the, the growth of ER-positive tumors not affected by the doxy food, uh, which is to induce knockdown. So, so now we probably see uh, there's a relative selectivity on, on the, on the um, requirement of, of MAC by the triple negative breast cancer cells. But uh, the, the problem is all these evidence are based on a single uh, line of um, uh, um, investigation, which is SHR media uh, knockdown. We think we might need another line of evidence to support the, the selective uh, role of milk for triple negative breast cancer cells. So we think we probably, um, can we make uh, the, the milk knockout mice? And we, you know, although we did not expect we were able to construct to make the, uh, the homozygous home knockout milk mice, and mice are viable, there's no any uh, phenotype we, we, can, uh, we try to observe. And in addition to uh, genotyping, we're able to uh, isolate some of the tissues um, for Western. And some of the tissues, like your Simon spleen uh, ovary, they're, they're known to be they're known to have higher proliferation dex, and they do have a, a, the a signal of milk. And uh, in comparison, the, the tissue from the knockout mice, they don't have the signal, so indicating that's really a knockout mice. Uh, we also have a very detailed study on the bromelian system because uh, bromelian toxicity has been the, uh, the major problem of, a, of cancer therapy, and we think there might be some minor defects that, that's tolerated uh, by, by the mice, but uh, again, we didn't find any defects of bromelian development or, or the composition of hematopoietic stem cells. So now we think that MAC is really a selective um, factor or, or, or target for triple active breast cancer. We become more and more interested in uh, studying the basic biology of MAC. 
so we are still working on the uh, on this part. And what we know so far is we know the MAC is transcriptional regulated by a transcription factor approximately one, which is known to be which is also a transcription factor for many other uh, metaikinase factors. Uh, yeah, and we do have evidence that MAC is, is a metaikinase as implicated in uh, regulating cytokinesis. And here shows some evidence. So we have a full population of cells, uh, either asynchronized cells or cells arrested in the T2 phase and metallic phase, or we, we release the uh, metallic phase um, into T1 phase. And we have these cells for West, and you can see that uh, milk is expression is highest in, in M phase. And when cells transit from M phase to G1 phase, there's a pretty obvious uh, read. A reduction of the, the protein abundance. And this pattern is very typical of a metallic factors such as such as our kinase here. So that's indicating milk is, is a metallic kinase. Then the question is uh, what's the function what's the cellular outcome of when you take away, take away milk? So we did a single assay just to look at the cycle distribution when we uh, feed the cells with doxycycline in the medium to knock down milk. And you can see obviously that uh, upon a dox treatment, there's an there's a, uh, accumulation of cells with foreign DNA. So that's indicating either there might be a rest in the G2 phase or a rest in the M phase, or there may be a fa failure of you know, cytokinesis. So you know, to, um, to get some more details, we just look at the cells on a microscope. And here's this show the, the nuclear, uh, the daddy staining. You can see that, uh, first of all, in the dex treatment, there's less cells so because there's a uh, growth uh, inhibition. But there are also there are much more cells with double nuclei. So that's indicating there's maybe a failure of uh, the cytokinesis failure. And then the question is, what does it matter for this availability of cell proliferation? So the, to answer the question, we just uh, uh, track the cells on a microscope. So here we... Um, Here we assemble the uh, trans, uh, transducer cells with um, the GFP tag um, histone HDB to visualize uh, the chromosome dynamics. And you can see the white, um, the, the mitosis um, is, is normally occurring in the, um, in the control cells. And however, in the, in the dark treatments, um, cells, these two uh, double nuclei cells, which is uh, presumably resulting from uh, failed cytokinesis, they undergo apoptotic cell death, indicating by the fragmentation of DNA. So as a summary, we, um, James, I hope I convince you that uh, milk is a new oncogenic kinase. And the milk has top rank overexpression in breast cancer overall, and particularly in triple active breast cancer. And MAC is functionally um, essential for triple negative breast cancer, but it's not essential for uh, either normal, normal cells or positive breast cancer cells. So it's, it's now essential at least for mouse development. And MAC is a mitotic kinase uh, It's transcriptional regulated by Foxamo one It's implicated in a cytokinesis um, regulation. And we recently um, followed up the MAC study because the, the motivation is we really want to identify the direct substrate of MAC because that's that's uh, uh, that'll be a biomarker for the future anti-MAC therapy. So we uh, we identify a sub direct substrate called uh, is, which is a protein translation initiation factor EI4B. So we think that during mitosis, the the PS3 kinase AKT and tor signaling is a is a, is a, is a, is a sort of a, a goes down, no matter whether the cells have activating mutation, PIK, PS3K, or P10 mutation.
So there's a pretty sharp decrease of this signaling um, um, when cells get into the mitosis. But we know that this is a, a, the major uh, positive signal for the protein synthesis. Although we know that the protein synthesis rate in the metallic cells is lower than uh, what cells in the interface, but we also know that uh, this, the metallic cells require the, uh, the continuous the translation of specific messenger RNA, such as those, uh, a short half-life protein. So we propose that a milk phosphation, milk mediated phosphation AF4B promote the, the protein synthesis during, uh, during mitosis of the triple negative breast cancer cells. And that's <coughs> extremely important for the synthesis of specific messenger RNA, such as M-cell 1. So the, the MAC study gives us um, let us to, to appreciate or realize that MAC is really an identity of triple negative breast cancer because we know this disease is very uh, heterogeneous on the genetic label. Then the question is for us is, can we find a more identity gene for triple negative breast cancer, or if, if it, is there a, a gene expression program for, for this uh, genetic heterogeneous, heterogeneous disease? And we, we think the uh, answer is, uh, is for the for the triple negative breast cancer or the um, the molecular uh, subtype of um, basal-like breast cancer, they do have its own uh, gene expression program because um, here shows a heat map of the about 500 um, patients, uh, breast cancer patients of around 3,000 most differentially expressed genes. And you can see for the patient samples in the box, we have a relatively high expression of a basal markers. Those proteins are normally expressed by the basal memory, basal amplicin cells. They have high expression of a proliferation-related markers and low expression of ERHER2 markers. And those patients' samples are defined this way as basal-like breast cancer. And most of them are triple negative breast cancer. And that's a clinical definer term. So that's give us a indicates to us that a majority of triple negative breast cancer or basal-like breast cancer has its own uniform gene expression pattern. Then we uh, hypothesize that uh, the disease might be highly dependent on a continuous transcription of a key set of genes within the gene expression program. And if that's the case, it might be highly uh, sensitive to transcriptional inhibition. And that leads us to uh, the second story, which is uh, trans so you can sell the mediator transcriptional addiction of triple negative breast cancer. CDK7 is a is a, is a crucial kinase involved in regulating transcription, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's known like via phosphorylating the iron polymers too. And one of, one of the hallmarks of iron polymers too is that uh, it's a multiple multi-subunit complex. And the largest com uh, the, the largest subunit of iron polymers too, which is called RPP2, RPP1, have a, a C-terminal domain, have a, a consisting of a heptide repeats shown here, and the number of repeats ranging from 26 in yeast to 252 in, in mammals. And during each cycle of transcription, there's an extensive post-translation modification on the, on the CTD domain, notably phosphorylation. And studies from many, many, many labs in the over the world have uh, demonstrated that uh, CD phosphorylation is important for the for for the uh, trans, for the transcription. I just give you an example. The serum five phosphorylation was recently demonstrated to crucial to be crucial for the recruit for the rec, for the recruitment of a cap enzyme of the uh, nascent RNA messenger RNA. And you know the cap is important for the stability of messenger RNA as well as the uh, the initiation of cap dependent protein translation. And the and CD phosphorylation is, um, goes much beyond that, and it's involving every stage of uh, uh, transcription from the transcriptional initiation um, 
past release and, uh, and elongation and, and modification of nesting uh, messenger RNA capping splicing and polydenylation. So CK7 is a quite unique kinase uh, phosphorylating CTD. It's known to directly phosphorylate serum 5 and serum 7. And CK7 is also the only known uh, CDK activating kinase CAC in the mammal. So it's likely it's, it's also important for the activation of CDK9 and 12, which is a kinase for the serum 2 value of CTD. So now if we, if we have a selective inhibitor for CDK7, you can imagine my, the inhibitor have anti-proliferative capacity or might be, um, can be used for, 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 for to, to, to treat tumors. But from the uh, medicinal chemistry point of view, it's hard to, to, uh, to have a selective inhibitor for CDK7 because we have a 20 uh, CDK in the, in, the, in the cells and uh, they have very similar kinds of domains. And recently, there was a breakthrough made by Lasagna Grace Lab. So they made a, a covalent inhibitor of CK7. So the inhibitor can bind to a cysteine residue outside the ATP binding pocket of CK7. So we think the covalent binding confer the inhibitor of great selectivity towards CK7. So now with uh, this novel compound, we want to test whether uh, triple negative breast cancer is a it's dependent on the, on the transcriptional regulation mediated by CK7. So the first assay we did was very simple. We just threw the drug to a bunch of cell lines, but the results were very striking. Uh, we, we test, I want to say we test many, many drugs, and this is the only time we saw the most directly uh, differential response. So you can see here, the triple inactive breast cancer cells indicated by the red curve, they are highly sensitive to the, uh, the drug THZ1. In comparison, yeah, positive breast cancer cell lines uh, indicated by the blue curve, they are largely resistant. And we are, we, uh, we, we know that it's not due to the uh, potential problem of, of drug penetration or target inhibition in the two group of cells because uh, both insensitive and sensitive cells are in those cells, the CTT phosphorylation is equally suppressed by the CK7 inhibition. We also have the primary couch of uh, uh, triple negative breast cancer versus ER positive breast cancer cells derived from the, the early passage um, patient-derived uh, xenograft. xenograft. And you can see the viability of a triple negative breast cancer uh, couch is, is, uh, is highly sensitive to CK7 inhibition, which is not case for the ER-party breast cancer couch. And to give you sort of a visual impression about selectivity, here shows the, uh, the two triple negative breast cancer, two ER-party breast cancer treated with vehicle control, or the single dose of a THZ1 at uh, the dose of 40 nanomolar. So the treatment lasts for about one week. And you can see that for both triple inactive breast cancer lines, they end up with massive cell deaths. But for the two EAPATI cell lines, they are, uh, they are pretty okay and keep proliferating. And we think the cell death is likely to be apoptotic because we, uh, the, the, uh, the, the marker of uh, apoptosis, uh, the cleavage is induced uh, with, uh, with the drug treatment uh, when our, and, and the CD phosphation is, it goes down as expected. Then we wonder whether these um, um, pretty um, dramatic in vitro phenotype can be translated into a tumor killing in, in vivo. So in addition to a xenograph model based on the breast cancer cell lines, we were able to have a two PDX models um, 
So in this uh, so in this model, we treat the mice with either vehicle or THZ1 at a 10 mg per kg dose. So for both, both models, we see the pretty clear growth inhibition. And for this um, for this uh, circuit 11 PDX model, we see some uh, tumor regression. And if we do histology analysis, you can see that uh, uh, the treatment can can cause a decrease of cellular cellularity, indicating the tumor regression. Uh, we, we think this, the, the results are pretty exciting because the, uh, the, the compound, THZ1, is not a drug and, and a very poor uh, pharmacokinetics. It's very, not, very unstable in the plasma. So the half-life is about half, minute, uh, half an hour. <coughs> so we, we hope that in the future there's a, there's a good compound for THZ1 um, that we probably have a much better uh, phenotype or to, to kill the, the tumor. Um, and to complement those studies based on these small molecules, we uh, we use uh, in one CRISPR uh, techniques to uh, to uh, for the gene editing experiment. So we use in one uh, CRISPR that's developed by Fronzan's lab at Broad. So that you can see the two uh, different two independent sgRNA targeting CK7 can effectively uh, decrease the expression of uh, CK7. And, and you can see that a CRISPR mediator gene adding of 67 can effectively decrease cell proliferation for these triple inactive breast cancers, but not uh, these two positive breast cancer cells. We also sh uh, have data showing that 67 mediator uh, 67 gene adding also impairs the growth of uh, triple inactive breast tumors in uh, new mice. So we think this data um, indicates that CK7 is a pharmacological relevant target of, of the compound, and CK7 represents a bona fide a target of triple negative breast cancer. So next, quest, next we want to whether uh, other transcriptional CDKs. Sure. Do you really need for it to last long in the plasma if it's a covalent modifier of CDK7? You probably want it to be uh, have a a very short half-life so that you can avoid toxicity. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, don't, uh, we, we do have the in vitro data showing that uh, if, you, if you treat the cells with an inhibitor then wash away, then uh, the cells still kill uh, eventually. But in vivo, we're not sure whether this case because um, we actually we have to give the mice a twice a day. So although it's covalent, we think that uh, the reason we got some uh, positive results, although the drug is nasty because it's covalent. Otherwise, um, probably, yeah, because the half-life is too, is too short, it's half an hour. Um, yeah, but uh, we hope that uh, we probably get a drug that have, uh, say, a half-life of several hours, probably, yeah, good enough, because considering that it is covalent inhibitor. Yeah, I, agree. I agree very much with your point because yeah. some drugs have a very short half-life yeah. in plasma, but they work very well because they have very high binding affinity for the target. And here, you've got a covalent inhibitor which would have very high binding affinity for the target. So the half-life in yeah. plasma isn't, isn't the driving force of your drug. But I'm not sure. We haven't, we haven't really looked at the, the uh, drug concentration in the tumor. Right, so... We want to look at the, the impact on CDK7 activity in the tumor. Uh, Transcription of Yeah, we do have those data. Yeah, but uh, we 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 never uh, do a carefully to 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 study whether, say, one dosage of the uh, the, the drug can effectively uh, have enough penetration into the tumor mass and of course the target inhibition. But uh, yeah. Irreversible drug. Uh, irreversible drug. Uh, uh, the problem could be that blood source is the same. 
So if your problem is expressed in blood, so then you will select what's happening in first of the yeah, so the question is, is probably acidic acid and probably not expressed in the mid which might bite a little bit easier. But what about white blood cells? So uh, there are several other transcriptional CKs. So the, the one we then uh, let us see one or whether uh, those CDK are also serve as a potential target for triple negative breast cancer. And uh, some of the really interesting, for example, uh, CK eight or nineteen associated with a mediator, which is a multi sub uh, regulated complex for the PO2. And it can be very selectively uh, inhibited by the natural product of setting A. A recent study from Manchester Group at uh, Harvard University in Cambridge, they found that uh, uh, this uh, this compound in mediator inhibition of CK Eight and nineteen can drug can increase the expression of genes associated with superhandsome and causing the death of a uh, um, acute myeloid leukemia cells. <coughs> uh, and uh, another one, uh, another uh, famous one is uh, CK9, uh, which can be uh, can be uh, um, inhibited by the drug fluoroperidol. Flar- Currently, it's uh, uh, planned for the phase three clinical trial for the acute uh, myeloid and uh, uh, CK9 is also impo- involved in, in, uh, in viral biology. It's known to, by, uh, to be interacting with the, the HIV protein tag and interacting with the porn for the viral genome um, replication. So there are a bunch of interesting um, transcriptional CDK. So we use, uh, still we use a CRISPR, a CRISPR uh, tool to add those uh, six total transcriptional CDK, uh, 7, 8, and 9, 12, 13, and 19. We then subject the cells for the growth assay, and you can immediately see that uh, only seven and uh, nine have an uh, obvious effect on the um, on inhibiting the cell growth. So this is, this was done in you know this particular triple negative cell lines. Uh, so we then we uh, extend the study to two other triple negative breast cancer cell lines and uh, uh, one uh, yeah positive cell lines. We also have uh, data from two uh, normal untransformed cell lines. So in all the case, CDK9 also have GB phenotype. That means CRISPR mediated gene editing of CDK9 can uh, impair the, the proliferation of those cells. And but for the CDK7, we do see there's a relative selectivity, so it's more important for the triple negative breast cancer uh, rather than for the iapatis. Yeah, party cell line or untransformed cell lines. So we think that uh, probably uh, CK7 is a uniquely uh, important transcriptional CDK for uh, triple negative breast cancer cells. So the next, we try to figure out the transcriptional targets of the CK7 in a, in a triple negative breast cancer cells. So we first we first are using uh, the gene expression array um, approach to um, have found out about a. Uh, 1,000 triple negative breast cancer specific genes means these uh, genes are more overexpressed in the triple negative breast cancer cells compared to positive breast cancer cells. And half of the genes are sensitive to the CK7 inhibition. And we then do the, uh, the geoanalysis of these um, half, like 450 genes. And we found they are highly enriched for genes involved in our signaling molecules and transcriptional regula- regulations. And a substantial number of the genes have uh, established roles in our cancer, especially breast cancer. 
So that led us to hypothesize that uh, a cluster of the, uh, among these, uh, four, uh, these 451 genes, those genes, a uh, uh, subset of genes that are encoding signaling molecules and transcription factors, they likely represent a trigonal breast cancer-specific vulnerability. They might uh, mediate the, the, the cell response to, to the CK7 inhibition. And for this re reason, we uh, term these subset of kidneys cluster of trigonal breast cancer genes. And so by this definition, the cluster is a triple active breast cancer specific. They are highly sensitive to CK7 uh, inhibition. And the question uh, uh, is why uh, these cluster genes are highly sensitive to CK7 inhibition. So we think the, um, one of the potential reasons is that most, um, half, uh, up to half of the genes in the cluster are associated with a super enhancer, and which are a large a cluster enhancer region that's shown here um, for the trace of H3K27 acetylation uh, in this um, SOX9 locus in this triple inactive breast cancer, but not in positive cell lines. And, and, a, and a study from many, from, from many labs um, showing that super enhancers are able to recruit or concentrate the components of a transcription apparatus to drive the, expre the high expression of the genes, uh, the associated genes. And, genes, and, and, genes, and also known that uh, genes associated with super enhancer, the expression is, is more sensitive to, uh, to transcriptional inhibition like CK7 uh, or the Jekyll one compared to genes associated with, uh, with regular enhancers. So we, we, we provided two tumor active breast cancers for the uh, super enhancer. We did find, uh, uh, we, and, and among the, uh, the cluster, we found up, uh, about 40% are associated with super enhancer. So that uh, um, helps us to explain why the cluster genes are highly sensitive to CK7 in inhibition. And lastly, we, we hope to know whether the, uh, the cluster genes have a, a functional important for the triple inactive breast cancer cells. So we choose eight, total eight uh, genes that are associated with super enhancer, uh, which are also encoded for uh, transcription factors or signaling molecules. So, uh, so we, we, uh, we use a CRISPR uh, tool to add those genes, and we subject the cells for, for the perfusion assay. And you can see some of the, uh, the genes in the cluster, such as EGFR, uh, FOXC1, uh, FOXC1 makes SOX9 have pretty uh, significant inhibition on cell growth. So indicating that uh, some of the, uh, the uh, components of the cluster are functional, really functionally important for the trivonic breast cancer. And with this piece of um, evidence, is really, uh, we also validate this uh, data with additional um, SGR, sgRNA construct. And this piece of data really uh, has interest because EGFR has very obvious inhibition on the um, cell growth. And EGFR had been, had been uh, pursued as a target for trivonic breast cancer, has been uh, valued by multiple clinical trials. However, the, the outcome of the trial is not uh, favorable. So here we compare the uh, CK7 inhibitor, TCC1, um, side by side with three uh, EGF inhibitor, a kinase inhibitor, a lactinib, a gefinib, and a lapatinib. And you can see that uh, this inhibitor, this three EGF inhibitor are not able to suppress the cell proliferation of this particular triple active breast cancer lines. And we do have uh, uh, the Western data showing that uh, uh, these three inhibitors are able to suppress the, uh, the autophosphation of EGFR, which is a readout for the EGFR activity. So that's indicating to us that uh, probably um, 
there's, uh, there's a existence of a kinase independent function of EGFR. And that's also indicated by some of the um, evidence in the literature. So we think that a targeting EGFR transcription as achieved here by using a CK7 inhibitor uh, might provide some unique advantage that I cannot achieve by uh, using a kinase inhibitor of EGFR. So um, overall, we show that uh, uh, in the triple inactive bacterial cells, CK7 is, is required for the um, for the protein phosphorylation of a class of a triple inactive breast cancer class of genes, and and these genes are uh, important for the for the tumor genetic phenotype of triple inactive breast cancer. And you can able to uh, pharmaceutically target the CK7 via uh, different molecules or or CRISPR uh, CRISPR, or CRISPR uh, adding tools to to block the, um, the to block the polyphosphation and consequently the expression of these class genes. That study has led us to give us some enthusiasm to study other transcription regulators, such as um, other transcription of CDK. But uh, I sh briefly show our story on CDK12, and, and that's in a HER2 polybrass cancer. The reason we target, we, we initiate this study is the CDK12 is, uh, is known uh, to co amplify with HER2. So that's uh, CK12 and many other genes uh, within the same amplicon on, on the human chromosome 17. And that's, that's been known for many years, but we don't know whether CK12 or other genes in the amplicon are functionally important for type 2 party breast cancer cells. So now we have uh, our collaborator recently have a, a covalent inhibitor for CDK12. So that gives us some unique tool to uh, to ask the question whether CDK12 is important. And we do find that CDK12 inhibition can can uh, can potentially uh, suppress the proliferation of HER2 particular cancer cells. And uh, we also have this uh, data showing that gene, uh, uh, CRISPR-Cas9 immediate gene editing of CDK12 also affect the proliferation of HER2 particular cancer cell lines. Then the question is, what's the, what's the potential mechanism uh, of, of CK12 in the uh, HER2 lines? So we, we first do the genetic expression profiling. And very surprisingly, we found that uh, um, the, 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 uh, the famous oncogene MIC, uh, as well as the MIC signal genes, are induced when we suppress CK12 in the HER2 positive breast cancer cells. And we and we then we then we focus on the MEC and we do find that uh, in this particular in particular in the her two party lines MEC overexpression is intolerable. So if you ectopy overexpress MEC, the cell gonna die, and that's not a case for untransformed cells or other uh, cancer like uh, such as triple inactive breast cancer cells. So somehow make uh, the her two party breast cancer cells they cannot tolerate a high level of MEC. And consistent with the idea, uh, in the clinical sample, uh, make, uh, the expression of the expression of MEC is reversely correlated with her two expression. So her two her two party breast cancer have as a group have lower expression of uh, MEC compared to other types of um, breast cancer. And, and furthermore, MEC expression in the HER2 particular cancer is lower than what is in the normal memory tissues. So we think that somehow MEC is not, a, uh, it's, it's not compatible with the viability of uh, or tumor genesis potential of HER2 positive alliance. 
So we, we are currently working on two questions. One is uh, how CK12 uh, inhibition operates make, make expression, and second is how make expression uh, cause cell death, specifically selectively in, in the HER2 positive breast cancer cells. So uh, I show uh, discussed with you three stories targeting uh, the kinase, uh, the individual oncogenic kinase uh, milk, uh, which is which is relatively uh, uniformly overexpressed in tumor breast cancer. Uh, I also uh, touched on the two transcriptional regulators, CK7 and 12. And, and we, so, so here we provide the, the status indicators to us two strategies to target uh, to cancer. Um, and we think that either the, the individual identity genes like MAC or a transcriptional regulation for the, uh, for the, for the, to, to suppressing or to suppressing or operating the, um, a, a, a class of uh, um, genes. So we think that uh, in this way, we hope that uh, we can we can uh, propose the ideal concept that uh, target the molecular identity of cancer. And we think this we expect this going to be uh, this concept is uh, likely to be very important because we know that uh, for the the current successful target therapies, they are most of them are oriented at the specific um, genetic and oncogenic alterations, right? Such as the bcr uh, genes and uh, her two amplification um, EGFR uh, mutation or uh, the ALK, um, the uh, gene arrangement. But for some other cancers, they don't have recurrent muta recurrent driver mutations. So triple inactive breast cancer is one, is one example. Although the disease have higher uh, somatic mutation load and extensive copy number alterations, there's no recurrent oncogenic driver that can offer you a target, an obvious target. Right, so the problem for triple breast cancer and with other cancers such as high-grade serious cell cancer, there's no, there's no, um, there's no oncogen obvious oncogenic driver to, to, be tar to be targeted. However, if we, if we uh, carefully look at the cells, those cancers, they might be have a, a relative identity on the gene expression scale. So, so each tumor might, the, the, each type of tumors might have a might have a shared expression, a pattern of large number of genes, and some of the genes might be uh, might, might uh, encode for uh, functional functional um, proteins that's important for the uh, tumor genesis of of these specific tumors. So that's we think that's uh, one of the strategies to target individual cancer identity genes, which are not mutated in the cancer, but they are uh, uniformly overexpressed in the, in the specific type of uh, cancers. So the other strategy is to target the transcriptional control or uh, MPGNAC control to, to uh, targeting an array of identity genes. So we think uh, the identification milk as a target for the triple inactive breast cancer follow the, the first uh, strategy. And in my future independent career, we're gonna we're gonna further work on milk, such as uh, we, we uh, including uh, construct, constructing the gene model of breast cancer based on the overexpression of milk. And we try to uh, collaborate with medicinal chemists to uh, to develop selectively a selective MAC inhibitor, and we also further uh, study the, the the biology of MAC in a, in a, in a, uh, mitosis. In parallel, we're going to use uh, we're, still, we're going to uh, take advantage of the HMAC model I introduced, and we're going to combine the model with the recent new technique of the which is the activated uh, uh, CRISPR-Cas9er. 
tool to, for genome-wide screen to uh, hopefully to identify any uh, new hits that uh, can uh, that can be druggable by small molecules. So we hopefully can have a new uh, target, new uh, uh, new identity genes that can uh, can provide a direction for the for the uh, for the development of therapeutics. <coughs> So for the uh, the other strategy of uh, targeting cancer, which is uh, targeting targeting transcription control and ambigina ambigina, so we are further uh, studying CDK7, uh, in, such as we are we are uh, study if and how the triple inactive breast cancers can acquire resistance to CDK7 inhibition. We also um, study why yeah positive breast cancer cells they are largely resistant to CDK7 inhibition. So we have a sort of a, a rough hypothesis that uh, maybe it's because uh, this, those cells already have a potent oncogene there, which is a positive signal pathway. So if these cells acquire resistance to the hormone surface, they may regain the dependence on CDK7. And we're going to extend the study from uh, six 7 to other transcriptional CDKs, uh, as well as the, uh, the, his, uh, the epigenetic um, regulators. And finally, we are also test investigated the hypothesis that uh, the immune checkpoint proteins are, are also transcriptionally regulated by either a transcription CDK or histone modifying enzymes. And if that's the case, those small molecules are going to give you similar response as the, um, the, uh, some of the immune therapies such as anti pdl one <coughs> And finally, I thank lots of people for their uh, input and uh, contribution. I thank my uh, mentor, Jean, for her uh, tremendous support on, my, uh, on this project and my career development, and our uh, previous, previous and current lab members for the contributions. And I thank lots of our collaborators, um, Lasania Gray, Ting um, Hui in, uh, in his lab, Tim Mitchison in uh, System Biology at HMS, uh, Tom Roberts in uh, Faber, and um, and Julika and, and the Cock Institute, uh, Rick Young at Whitehead and the people in his lab, and Nick, uh, Brian, and, and uh, Tony, and Luke Cantley, uh, currently at Wake County, and, and our former collaborators, uh, Alan, Jisha, and Frank, and uh, Noadis. And uh, with that, I, I thank you for your attention. I'd like to take any question I have. Mitotic cell death that you showed was in a tumor cell. Yeah, that's one or triple active tumor line, yeah. So you're in some sort of genetic disability and you get cytokinesis uh, or potentially something goes wrong and they, they die. Isn't there yeah, you're right. a cell in the body that would mimic uh, genomic instability during development that you think would be sensitive to one? Yeah, that's, that's really a good question. So we don't, question, so we don't really know how the cell die. So we, we saw the uh, we saw the uh, I think the failed cytokinetic first. So these double nucleus cells they die on a microscope. So we only know that's the sequential event, but uh, we don't know whether the failed uh, cytokinesis or the induct potential induction of uh, uh, of uh, genomic instability that's the cause of cell death. But uh, yeah, you're right. That's um, that's a good question to be pursued in the future. Yeah. So you, you found that milk overexpression is oncogenic, but you didn't really, you, you developed the knockout mount model. So yeah. I'm curious why you invested energy in that direction instead of developing a model that overexpresses milk. Uh, so I think the, the project is initiated with the, uh, the gain of function uh, screen. So we, 
we initially we, we, we were asking uh, to identify new oncogenes. So we use that's why we use a gain of function screen and find milk. Right, and the evidence is uh, overexpression of milk can uh, can induce tumor genesis. And although we don't really know how it happens, uh, because uh, the uh, I think the the, the tumor genesis probably mechanism probably different from the mechanism where milk is taken away in the tumor cells. Um, yeah, the, re the the reason why we try to develop the knockout mice uh, is we hope that uh, we can use these mice to study. Uh, as germ model to study whether MAP is important in other germ models, such as the germ model induced by P10 or P53 um, yeah, deletions. I think the most intriguing thing to me is why those tumors, the TNDC tumors, are susceptible, and hence why everything else in the body is resistant. You seem, to, you seem to be making the case that, for example, ER-positive tumors might have a gain of some oncogenic something which makes them resistant to inhibition of milk or CDK7. But it would seem to me that perhaps the, what, the TMBCs are lacking something which makes them susceptible. Have you considered that, the Achilles heel that way? Um, we don't really understand why uh, treatment uh, ER positive breast cancer cells does not, uh, say, require milk. Although the cells is known to have a low expression, a relatively low expression of milk, uh, we hypothesize. We have one hypothesis, which is that uh, the ER positive breast cancer cells, or normal cells, they might have a, a protein that have a similar function as milk. Um, one of candidates is MPK, um, because MPK is recently uh, uh, implicated in. in uh, in mitotic regulation, and uh, and we know that uh, yeah, part breast cancer have high expression of the MPK compared to TNBC, but we haven't pursued this uh, yeah, high fast yet. Like I can think of a protein in my own lab where yeah. if if protein A is missing, protein B goes up because it's a compensatory pathway. So maybe that's why milk has gone up. Um, so you've given us evidence that it is milk is overexpressed, but are there in the DNA of patients, are there, I don't know, um, amplification or activating yeah. mutations? Yeah, we think the, uh, uh, the, the probably there are few cases of uh, uh, mutational amplification, but overall we, we think that uh, uh, the, the major force, the major uh, driving force for the overexpression is because um, uh, it's, it's, it's happened on the transcriptional level. So somehow the FOXM1 transcription factor is overactivated in the tribonacic um, breast cancer cells. And uh, this, actually, that's not, a, not a limited to milk and many other mitotic factors, such as orokinase, AB, um, polyokinase 1, cycling B1, B2. They all uniformly overexpress in tribonacic breast cancer cells. Yeah, so we think that uh, the transcriptional activation, uh, um, presumably by our trans FOXM1 transcription factor, is somehow uh, overactivated in the, uh, in the tribonacic breast cancer cells. How many targets of uh, uh, milk did you find in addition to EIF4B, and how confident are you that EIF4B is the cancer-relevant target? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great question, very critical. Um, we're pretty sure that uh, 4B is a substrate of milk, so because we do have, we do have a very um, a nice in vitro test uh, by chemical assay and, and in vivo and, 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 and phenotypes from, from the uh, two conscious cells. But the, uh, and we think the um, EI4B itself might not be 
uh, directly involved, uh, say, uh, altered in a cancer, such as mutation or overexpression. But uh, the uh, the the end. Uh, the the uh, the protein that are on the end of the uh, the pathway, such as MCL1, which is known to be a short half life, and which is known to be important for the metallic cell survival, so that's have relevance uh, for the disease. And we know that MCL1 is is more overexpressed in a triple negative breast cancer compared to other types of breast cancers. Yeah, so we don't, summer, we don't, we don't really know whether EI4B or other um, trans or protein translation initiation factors or the whole machinery of protein translation initiation is, is altered in a cancer or not. But we do um, have, we think that uh, at least for MCL1, it's a, a, the protein synthesis of MCL1 messenger RNA is, is involved, is implicated in the, uh, in the disease. In your, right at the beginning, you, you detected milk in a model where you had, did not have a PA3 kinase gain of function. So it basically, your milk substituted for that PA3 kinase model. Uh, yeah, but uh, you, it's hard to say whether milk has similar function as, as the mutant PA3 kinase. Right, it, it, it does substitute for the, uh, we can say that have similar oncogenic activity as the mutant PIK3CA. I was wondering how milk levels correlated with tumors which have a mutation in PI3K and whether they're inversely related. Um, PIK3CA mutation is pretty uh, frequent in uh, breast cancer, but uh, more frequently in EAPATI breast cancer cells. We haven't really looked at this uh, correlation, either positive or reverse, but. Um, because that, I guess, I guess, I'm not sure whether this really a particle related. Because uh, as said, pixel cell mutations mostly happen in ER party breast cancers, which is known to have a low expression of milk. But presumably, if you've done it in a model where you had the PI3 kinase in, but you've taken out TERT, would milk have select, made selected tumors in that model? Probably not. Uh, is that if we have a model where we can uh, have tumor um, induced by the PIK3C, and then you take away the PIK3C? No, if you, it, so you had four genes in your model originally, and you okay. took one out, PIK3CA. Yeah. Yeah. But if you took out any of the others, if you took out h or P53, um, would you have selected milk? We, we did have a screen uh, uh, based, on the, based on the line uh, that are taking away her two. Mm -hmm. I think we think the h uh, and uh, the dominant negative PIK3 probably essential. And, the uh, we do have the, so in parallel of the screen I showed you, we have a screen that is starting with the cell line with three transgene. In that case, uh, her, uh, the picture she is there, but her two is taken away. Uh, we got, uh, I think we got uh, probably only two hits. Yeah, we, yeah, honestly, we haven't, uh, we haven't seriously followed that, that, that part. It's interesting, the context in which milk came out. Yeah, but I think that's provided a pretty unique model to, uh, for further study because, as says, because that's not a really genome. That's only like 350 kinase or kinase related proteins. So now we have a, uh, the genome-wide uh, called a um, SAM screen for, uh, based on the CRISPR-Cas9 to activate whatever genes of interest. So in that case, you can combine the, the model system and the CRISPR screen to Identifying probably more hits, uh, not, uh, not necessarily limited to kinase, yeah, any proteins. Any other questions? Thank you. Very interesting talk. Thank you very much.